Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good. Uh, mediocre, apparently. Bring the joke back. I'm glad y'all are here. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you. I could not find, there's not a better place that I would rather be than to sing praises with y'all. What a wonderful band we have. Thank you guys. Thank y'all so much for your hard work. Today we're wrapping up our sermon series based on Braving the Wilderness, a book by Brene Brown, and it's a book about true belonging, but it's also a book about how we interact as a society when we're deeply divided, which I think is, is incredibly important for us today, which honestly is one of the reasons that I picked it. I know that it's election year. I know there's going to be people with differing thoughts, viewpoints, opinions, and so hopefully these tools that we've been talking about are tools that you can use for life. We talked about that true belonging comes first from God. So the first thing we, re- we need to realize is that we belong to God. And then we, know, we need to realize that we belong to ourselves, and then we belong to each other, and in that order. And over the last few weeks, we've been discussing different tools or techniques that we can live into that help us as a society to get along with each other, to belong, to, to find that true belonging. Even though it can be incredibly diff- difficult to truly be yourself, and by being yourself, you often find yourself in the wilderness. And the first is that we, that people are hard to hate close up, so to move close in, to lean into people. And the second is that we are called to hold hands with strangers, that we have unique, or we have common experiences that unite us and that bring us together. So we're called to hold hands with strangers. And when we, when we do that, when we move in, when we hold hands with strangers, conflict is inevitable, right? Because we're different people. And we're called to speak truth, but be civil. And then today we're talking about a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart. And you're probably thinking, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> a strong back is a person of conviction that has a compass that is set on God. A soft front is someone who's vulnerable because it can be really easy to have a strong back, but also a strong front, right? Where we try to be tough and, and we don't allow people in, right? Because we don't want to be hurt. But we have to have a soft front and be vulnerable and be in community with one another and also learn to listen to those we disagree with. And we also have to have a wild heart full of love. Now, the word love in the English language is, is really interesting. I can say, I love pizza. I can say, I love playing board games. And I can also say, I love Michelle. Now, one of those is not like the others, right? If I say I love pizza, it means that I enjoy eating it. If I say I love playing board games, that means it's my hobby and it's something I like to do. But if I say that I love Michelle, it means I have deep affection, commitment, and passion towards her, right? It's interesting when we say love because it has so many meanings in our language. What we're going to talk about today is the kind of love that is sacrificial love, agape love, the kind of love that is talked about in Scripture. Now, there is a, a uh, pastor that I love to listen to. His name is Reverend Tim Mackey, and uh, he's got a podcast called Exploring My Strange Bible. He's one of the people behind the, um, the Bible Project videos. I just love following. I love listening to him talk about things because he has a really unique way of looking at it. And so I'm stealing something from him today uh, because I love astronomy and science. And he talks about whether love is more like a black hole or cells. Now, what is a black hole? It is a super heavy, super dense mass that sucks in everything around it, including light. Like, even light can't escape it. That's what a black hole is. Sometimes our love is like this. 
When we base love on simply affection or desire or an inward focus, and it's all about ourselves, that's what it is. It's a, it's a love that sucks in everything else, and it causes despair in our lives and other people. Now, what is a cell? A cell is something that in its basic structure, in its design, is that it eventually is supposed to split into another cell just like it. But what's amazing about this process is the cell loses nothing. It actually becomes better when it splits into another one, and and then it splits into another and another, and before you go from one cell to having millions, right? This is what our love should be like. It's not something that draws or takes from other people, but when we love other people, it should reproduce over and over again, and it makes us stronger and more full of love. As we give love away, we are energized. We experience love. It's It's this weird thing that there is no end to it. There is no bottom of it. You can keep giving it away and keep giving it away and keep giving it away, and there is just more and more and more. So the love that we should seek is more like a cell and not a black hole that sucks everything in around it. So today we're talking about love in the context of a strong back, having, being a person of conviction, being a person who, who has their compass focused on God, of a soft front of being vulnerable with one another, being able to be in community and in love and share that love with one another, and to have a wild heart for love. True, sacrificial, agape love that reproduces itself. In our scripture, we're going to talk about the, the, the passage. What is the number one passage you expect to hear when people talk about love? Shout it out, right? 1 Corinthians 13. How many people have been to a wedding where they have read 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's like that scene in Wedding Crashers where they're trying to bet on which verse. If you bet on 1 Corinthians 13, you're probably going to win. But this is really interesting. So this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and it's a pretty divided church. And in fact, they're divided by different spiritual practices. In, in the previous chapter, it's all about the spiritual gifts that God gives us as the body of Christ. And one of those spiritual gifts is speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues has caused division because this is a prayer practice that Paul himself practices, right? This is something that he does. He's not saying it's a bad thing. But the way that some are practicing in Corinth, it's dividing people. They're, they're acting like you have to be able to speak in tongues to be a part of the faith. Or they're doing it in a very distracting way, right? And so he's trying to tell them that there is something even better. In fact, that is literally what Paul is about to say in, in, at the end of verse 12, or chapter 12. After going through talking about the spiritual gifts God gives us, right? And these are powerful things like prophecy. Who wouldn't want to have the power of prophecy, right? Who wouldn't want to have the power of healing? All these things. And then he goes on to say this. And I am going to show you an even better way, better than prophecy, better than speaking tongues, better than any of the spiritual gifts that God can give us. Turn to 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels but have not love, I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and I know, not the, mis- and I know the mysteries of, uh, excuse me, let me start that over. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my body to feel good about what I've done but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. It's really fun to read a passage that you kind of memorize in a different verse and it's kind of like the two are bleeding together. But the point here is clear, right? It doesn't matter how great your prophecy is. It doesn't matter if you have faith that moves mountains. Who wouldn't want a faith like that, right? If you don't have love, 
It's nothing. It doesn't matter if you give all that you have away to everyone. And you're the most, you're, you're following Christianity in the most pure way possible, but you do not have love. You have nothing. It's not worth anything. Love is the strongest force. Love is the strongest force in our universe. Now, the love that he's talking about comes from the Greek word agape, and it's talking about sacrificial love. Can you put up the, the passages? Um, <clears throat> we're going to look at three passages that this word is used so that we can understand exactly what Paul is talking about when he's talking about love. The first one, Galatians 2.20. This is, uh, this is Paul talking, right? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith, indeed by the faithfulness of God's Son, who loved in me and gave himself for me. What is love? Anybody? What is love from this passage? That last line, right? Sacrifice. Gave himself, gave himself for me. How does Jesus demonstrate love? Jesus gave himself for you. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. What is love? Someone who sacrifices for other people. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for us, and you should recognize this, because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So simple. What is love? It's a sacrificial action. It's putting the needs for others above the needs of yourself. And that's what Paul is calling to us this morning. And then he goes on, and this, this is so beautiful, so powerful. I just want you to hear these words. I know you've heard them before, but I want you to hear them again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trust in all things, hope for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. One powerful way to understand and read this passage is replace the word love with your name and see if it describes you. David is patient. Not all the time. David is kind. Hopefully most of the time. David isn't jealous. David doesn't brag and isn't arrogant. So are you living this way? Are you a person that isn't jealous of, of what other people have, of their position, of their status, of their wealth? Because if you are, that isn't love. Are you a person that brags about what you've done? Are you the type of person that wants others to think better of yourself so you talk about how great you are, how great of your accomplishments, what you've done in this world? Are you the kind of person that believes more about yourself? Are you arrogant? Are you rude? Let's continue. David doesn't seek his own advantage. David isn't irritable. Uh-oh, Michelle. <laughs> David doesn't keep a record of complaints. What about this one? David isn't... Is David isn't in happy with, or David isn't happy with injustice. Love means we don't stand for injustice. Love means that when there is injustice in our world, we need to stand up and speak about it, even if it is cost, even if it costs us something, even if it costs us everything. 
David is happy with the truth. David puts up with all things, trusts all things, hope for all things, endure all things. David never fails. You see, this is a high standard, isn't it? If we were to be a people of love, if we were to be a, a people who live by Scripture, a people who live by the ethic that Jesus is teaching us, that Paul, excuse me, that Paul is teaching us, although, of course, Jesus would agree, then it has a high standard for us. We have to be patient and kind and not boastful. This is the people that God has called us to be. Then it goes on to an interesting part. This is starting with verse 9. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child. But now I've become a man, I've put away childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror, then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. What Paul's talking about, and of course it, it seems kind of weird because he's like in a mirror. You know, in our mirrors, of course, we can see clearly, but they didn't have the same kind of technology with glass that we did. So it would have been a distorted image, right? And so what he's saying is like now we have a reflection of what is coming, right? We have a reflection of what God is doing in our world but it's only a partial ref- reflection. And that one day we'll be looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where God is going to restore all things. We've talked about this, right? About how God is going to bring heaven on earth. But right now, if we want to be known and completely known as much as we can be, we have to be a people of love. Not partially, but completely. That's the best way to be known is to love other people and let people love you. And when we do, we become little agents of heaven. We become people who work towards the goal of heaven becoming a reality on this world. And I I know that, again, this is a thing we've talked about many times. When we pray the, the Lord's Prayer, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to start meaning that. And part of it is to be people of love. And then Paul is going to go on and he's going to make even a bolder statement. Now faith, hope, and love remain these three things. And the greatest is Love. The greatest force in all the universe is love. Now, that's not how I was taught. That's not how people express things to me. In much of my life, it was represented as if love was weak. But that's the farthest thing from biblical truth. Love is great. Love is strong. In fact, we are told that God is love. And the kind of love that is in action and sacrifices for others. So as we talk about belonging and these practices, and this practice of strong back, soft front, wild heart, full of love, I thought it would be an incredibly, uh, it would be a great way to honor the life of Martin Luther King Jr. Because this week we celebrated his life, right? On Monday we, had, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. And it wasn't just a day for kids to get off of school. We celebrate because of the impact that he has made on our society, and hopefully continues to do so because we are not finished with our work. So we think about what it means to be a strong back, to have a strong back. We think about Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King, did you know that he graduated high school at the age of 15? That he went to college, graduated from college, went to seminary, graduated from seminary, went to another seminary, got his PhD by the age of 25. Here's a man that was brilliant and could have done anything, and yet he saw the plight of his people. He was a person of conviction because he said, just like this passage, that love does not stand for injustice. And so he made sure that his life stood for something. 
in the midst of injustice and segregation, King had a strong back with his face towards Jesus. You know, he was ridiculed, he was arrested, and he even lost his life. But because of him, we passed things like the end of segregation and the Voting Rights Act. This is what he declared early on in his ministry. He said, we have no alternative but to protest. For many years, we have shown an amazing amazing patience. We have sometimes given our white brothers the feeling that we like the way we are being treated. But we come here tonight to be saved from that patience that makes us patient with anything less than freedom and justice. To be a person of love, to be a person who follows Jesus, to be a person who has a strong back with a compass that points towards Christ. We have to stand for things, church. We have to stand for what is right and what is true, even when it costs us something. That's the lesson of Martin Luther King Jr. We're not finished. We have so much work to do as a nation, so much more work to define ourselves as a people defined by love and grace. So we need to continue his work and have a strong back no matter what the cost. The same thing is a soft front. And like I said, it's really a lot easier to have a strong front, right? A strong front to keep people out. I learned at an early age that if you let people in, they can hurt you, right? It's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard for me to be vulnerable, and I know it's hard for you. But we are called to be vulnerable because you cannot be in community unless you're vulnerable with one another. Martin Luther King Jr. could not have made the impact he did unless he was in community with other civil rights leaders, with his church, and with his family. We have to be in community with one another. And another way that we are called to be vulnerable is to listen to people who have different viewpoints and different ideas than ourselves. You know, one of the interesting things about Martin Luther King is he actually went to India to learn from the life of Mahatma Gandhi. Now, Mahatma Gandhi, his nonviolent principles were based on scripture that he read. He wasn't a Christian, but he had a deep respect for Jesus and what Jesus taught and based much of his own protest on that. But what's, it's so fascinating to me, this is a man who's brilliant, right? Graduated at 15, had a PhD by the time he was 25, and yet was still willing to go and learn from someone else. Part of having a soft front is means that our education never ends. And it's so easy to get our head full of knowledge right, and think that we have all the answers. But as a Christian, we need to be the kind of people whose education never ends. Finally, we have to have a wild heart. We talked today about how love is an action, right, and about how true love is the greatest force in our world. We talked about how that love can transform anything. This is something that Martin Luther King Jr. lived by. His quote from his I Have a Dream speech is this, because he wanted a legacy of love and not in violence. He didn't advocate violent revolution that would just lead to more violence. This is what he said. I have a dream that my four children will one day be in a nation where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Think about that. He didn't necessarily want his people to be on top. He wanted a place where people of all colors, all races, all religions, all creeds could be treated the same and equally. And he fought for that out of love and out of sacrifice. I have a clip from his daughter, Reverend Dr. Bernice King. God. So in the, um, the book of Micah, it says, um, what does the Lord require of thee but to do justice 
love mercy and walk humbly with thy God. The part that leaps out to me, just like the Sermon on the Mount part, is love mercy. While we're doing justice, we have to love mercy and we have to walk humbly with our God. When an injustice is done toward an individual, the general tendency is to want to take revenge on that person. You want them to hurt just as bad as you hurt. And and in order to bring about justice, you can't just think about it personally. The God that we serve, it's the will of the Father that none perish, but every person, man, come to repentance. We have to think about, yes, the, the victim and, and how do you get some recompense, but you also at the same time have to love, have enough forgiveness um, in your heart and compassion even for that person who has created the injustice so that there's room for God to enter um, the equation for that person, you know, to be drawn to God. While we're doing it, we can't let the injustice cause us to be unjust. Whoo, that's hard to swallow. It really is. We can't let the injustice cause us to be unjust. Think about what it cost her to live that way. Her father was assassinated by hate by someone who hated him just because of the color of his skin. And yet she's calling us to love people even to the point of those who might hate us. So we've been talking about true belonging, that we belong to God, that we belong to ourselves, that we belong to others. And this idea that we must have a strong back, right? We must have a compass. You know, with a a good compass and a map, you'll never be lost. But you got to make sure your compass works, right? And that it points north. And we got to make sure our compass points us to God. So let's be a people who have a strong back. Let's be a people who have a soft front, who are vulnerable with one another, and that we can share, and that we can be ourselves. And even though that's a risk because it may mean we get hurt, we'll be there for one another. And let's be vulnerable in a way that that calls us to listen to one another and listen to different viewpoints, even if we don't agree. And finally, may we be a people who have a wild heart full of love, Love in the way that it described, not not out of desire or personal self-interest, but out of sacrifice for one another, just like Jesus did for us. Jesus calls us to do that for one another. So may you be a people that have a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart. Amen. Amen.